You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. It is finished. What goes through your mind when you hear those words? I mean, it can mean two totally opposite things. It can mean, I give up. It's over. Nothing more I can do. I'm out of here. In other words, it can be a cry of resignation, but it can mean something totally opposite. I can say, it is finished, and not mean a cry of resignation, but I may be saying, mission accomplished. Like when a project is finally finished or a a big debt is finally paid off or you finally reach the destination, it's finished. In that case, it wouldn't be a cry of resignation. It would be a declaration of completion. And in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, you see God making a, a declaration of completion. How many remember when scientists said that our Milky Way was the entire known universe? We're putting the lights down so we won't see you put your hand up and we'll know how old you are. (laughs) After Hubble's discovery in 1929, astronomers realized that our galaxy was not the only one. Now astronomers estimate that there are over 10,000 galaxies and a hundred billion, billion planets. You say, is there life on other planets and galaxies? Will our future look like a Star Wars script (laughs) where we go from planet to galaxy? God's script is silent on that one, but it does tell us that he created the heavens and the earth. I remember sitting in class and I first heard about how the universe began with the Big Bang. I just went away, just honestly puzzling over how it could begin with a Big Bang because, number one, who was around to throw the match that started the Big Bang? And then secondly, who made the matter that went bang and became all these galaxies and planets? Where did that come from? So let's go before the Big Bang, before time even existed. That's where the Bible begins in its first book, in the beginning. That's, that's time right there. T- time is something outside of God himself, who is spirit, who is invisible, and, and he created outside of himself. So God was there before time. Where did matter come from? You can read a book of the Bible that was written thousands of years after Genesis, and it says the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was made out of what was was not made out of what was visible. And who knows how many billions or megazillions of years between when God spoke and said, let there be light, let there be energy in the universe. And how much time went by before he began creating life on earth? We don't know. Whatever the days of creation were like, they were nothing like the 24-hour days that we live in because the sun and moon necessary to define our 24-hour days and our months and our years were not even created until the fourth day of God's creation in Genesis. So after the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the animals on the land, God's script is still not complete. After who knows how long, 
He took the same matter as he made plants and animals out of to make his masterpiece. It used to really bother me when I heard that humans shared so much of the DNA as plants and animals. Do you know we share 96% of the same DNA as chimpanzees? 60% the same DNA as bananas? That'll give you a boost for your self-esteem. You know, like, but, but, but just hold on. Be, let's just read the script. God takes the same matter he created other life with, but then he does something totally different when he makes humans. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now listen to a verse that explains exactly why we can wake up in the morning into a world we did not make, and sometimes we wonder, how in the world did the world get here? How did we get here? And why are we here? Here's the verse that explains why humans can wonder about that. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. So we're more than body, more than mind, more than a bundle of emotions. We're, we're a spiritual being. Hardwired into every human is something of the likeness, the image of God. French philosopher Pierre Chardin said it this way, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And it's after God makes everything that he makes that he, it's like he stands back and rests and God saw all that he had made and it was very good. God is saying, it is finished and it is very good. Now, what word would you use to describe what it was like back then? In the beginning, when God just made everything perfect and humans were there with this closeness to God, if you had to use one word to describe paradise, what would it be? Now, I've had a head start on you. And so I, I've got some words that, 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 that I use. You know, it was, it, was, uh, it was life. It was love. It was peace. It was joy. Can you imagine being there in the beginning? It was trust, truth justice and goodness. Oh, man. There was, it was security, purity, beauty, creativity. There was abundance. There was future. There was closeness to God. It was paradise. Can you imagine living just one day, one day in that kind of situation? Well, they lived in it every day. It was just an everyday experience for our first ancestors to live in that. They, every day they, they had that physically, mentally, spiritually, environmentally. We had it all. When God writes the script, how many know he creates a world that is very good? It's paradise. So have you looked around recently? How many know something has happened? <laughs> something has happened. Whatever happened to paradise? Who flipped the script? Well, the first book in the Bible tells us what happened. It says that God gave the first humans on the planet options. We could trust God's script and do life with him, or we could say, God, I'm going to write my own script. 
And it tells of a real devil. That's evil with start, starting with a D. And God, God's holding out on you. That was the temptation. He, he doesn't want you to be all that you can be. Come on, doubt God's love. Try living your life without him. Write your own script. And God's heart was broken, and so was paradise, so was the planet, and so were people. You know what the result was? We flipped the script. All you have to do is look at the words on this side and find the opposite, and you'll recognize the kind of world that we ushered in when we flipped the script. Instead of life, we were introduced to death. Instead of love, there was hatred. Peace was infected by violence. Trust gave way to fear. Truth to lies. Justice to injustices. Goodness to evil. Security to stealing. Purity to perversion. Beauty to corruption. Creativity to destruction. Abundance to greed. The future, hopelessness. Closeness to God was replaced by religion. Instead of paradise, we, as we look at human history, can know that for so many, the human experience has been hell on earth. The truth is, humans, humans were created that way. We were created with a capacity to flip the script. It's called free will, the power to choose. And so it begs the question, why did God give us that power to choose? Well, we're going to let artificial intelligence illustrate the answer, all right? How many are afraid of artificial intelligence in your future? It's going to take away your job. It's going to outsmart you. What if it's wrongly programmed and it does something to you? I, I, I studied a bit. They tell us that there are three things that artificial intelligence will never be able to do. Three powers that robots will never have. Number one they will never have their own power to choose. It'll never be their own. AI is only what we program it to be. We are the creators of artificial intelligence. Humans write the script for robots. One, science, one scientist says it this way. He says, they can never improve, robots can never improve outside of their predefined programming. They do not think, they do not have emotions, or a conscience. So they don't have their own power to choose. Secondly, they, they don't have the power to connect with God. How many of that? You need something invisible. You need the image of God. Not something material, but immaterial. Something spiritual to do that. Third, they'll never have the power to love. Do you know why they'll never have the power to love? Because in order for love to exist, there has to be a choice. So if a robot ever comes up to you in your future and says, I love you. Do not start planning a wedding. <laughs> but he sounded so nice. Listen, girlfriend, there's a reason they call it artificial intelligence. But she sounded so intelligent. The voice was so real. Listen, boyfriend, you're the one that's being programmed. Why is a, a robot's claim of love just... It's just not real, because it didn't have a choice. God did not make humans that way. He wanted us to be able to love, to love. So he gave us the choice. 
And the first humans chose to write their own script to try and find love and life without God. Can you imagine? Why did they do that? Can you imagine if we could go back to that moment and do it all over again? You know, it's like that woman that burst onto the music scene. You could have had it all. How many prefer her to sing that? Anyway. Now, when I say the word sin, a lot of us think of this. We just think of uh, all those things, rightfully so. But it's helpful to look back at the original word that the Bible uses in the Greek to tell us what sin is. And it means to fall short of the mark. God's glory, his plan is here, and we, we don't measure up. We, we fall short of it. We fall short of the life that he intended for us. We sh- fall short of the, of the joy and the peace and the creativity and the beauty. We fall short of the paradise that he wanted for us. We fall short of it. So, so here's a definition of sin for you. Sin is a missed opportunity. We could have had it all. And if there was ever a time for the Creator to just sort of step back and say, you know what, I give up. I'm finished with these humans. They could have had it all. They chose to write their own script. Let's go over to another solar system. There's lots of planets to choose from. And let's start over again and see how someone, another being made in my image will do. God, God just could have just said, you know, that, 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 that's it. I'm finished. I am out of here. But how many can look around today? Even in the half light of this room, you can see other people, right? <laughs> We're still here. We're still here. So how have we been doing? How have we been doing since our first ancestors right up until now? Well, I thought if I could take a net and wrap it around all the people in this room, get the children in the children's area, all of Toronto, all of Canada, every country, every human being that has ever lived, we'd be talking about billions of humans over thousands and thousands of years. Let's say we put the net around all of them and pulled it in on this platform and we opened it up. You know what we would find? We'd find two basic evidences. We would find evidence that we're still doing this, We haven't stopped doing this. We've all sinned. And we're still doing it. But you know what else we would find? We would find that we have not stopped trying to rediscover God's script. We have not stopped trying to rediscover God's script. When I took an anthropology course in university, I remember that they found the earliest burial sites of humans. You could see them being buried with articles that they wanted to take with them into the afterlife. You find the earliest archaeological digs of human remains, and you would find idols, and you, you would find altars. People just, well, basically what, 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 what it showed us is there was evidence that however spiritually broken from our earliest times, humans have not stopped reaching out for God. The earliest literature, you, some of you have read it, you've had to study it, and it's, it's about people with these gods, they're trying to appease the gods for fertility, for, for harvest, for productivity. They're just, there's all the, you, you, you go around the world today, in, in 2019, and you go into a world that has lots of isms, entities, and idols. There's no shortage of religions. And then you have people that say, yeah, but religions have failed us. People say things like this. If religion was the answer, it would have done it by now. Religion can tell us what to do, 
but it can't help us when we fail to do it. Or religion just makes me feel guilty. And some look at that whole net and everything inside it, they see what happened throughout human history, and they say some of the worst sin done in the history of the human race was done in the name of religion. Yet here we are, 2019, humans on the planet still, still, still longing, still reaching out. Is there spirituality? C.S. Lewis, my favorite writer, he says, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Which explains why you in this room can be the most religious devotee and you can uh, win the lottery every month. You can go on vacation every week, have a billion followers on Twitter and two billion friends on Facebook, and you'll, you'll still be longing for meaning, for purpose, for joy, for peaceful fulfillment in your soul. Why? Because we were made for more than religion, possessions, pleasure, and popularity. We were made for God. And that's why we haven't stopped just trying to rediscover God's script. It's like humans can't help themselves. They can't stop trying to retrieve what has been lost. Someone said it this way. They said, there's enough beauty in creation to get us wondering where the rest of it is. We know there's more. We're still longing for paradise. And so, and, and you pull that net in and you look at our generation's contribution to human history and, 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 and you... You'll see that, listen, we're still unsuccessful at getting rid of what will destroy us. And secondly, we're still unsuccessful at regaining a paradise that we cannot stop longing for. Someone said it's like getting rid of sin in the human race is like trying to squeeze air out of a balloon. You just squeeze it out of this part and it pops up somewhere else. Our two-and-a-half-year-old grandson was uh, with my wife and I for lunch recently, and uh, we were talking about this lady that we could help, and, and I said, well, what about inviting her out to Ladies' Time Out? That's a midweek program for women that our church has uh, here at this campus. And uh, I said, what about Ladies' Time Out? And, and, and immediately, well, you see, in his two-and-a-half years of life, Time Out was not a woman's program at the church. <laughs> and so he was, he, said, he says, Poppy, ladies have time out? <laughs> he couldn't believe you could grow up and still need time out, you know? And I tried to explain, no, 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 it's not that kind of time out. They go and they have friends and they have fun and that. He just looked look at me puzzled. He says, were the ladies bad? We all fall short of what God intended for us. We all flip God's script different ways, but we all do it. So how does the flipped script end for humans? We live and then we die. It ends in death, right? The Bible's clear enough. The outcome of sin is death. George Bernard Shaw wrote, he said, the statistics about death are very impressive. One out of every one dies. Someone said that human life, ha human life has seven stages. Spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, then wills. Then it's finished. 
And, and it would be finished. It would be finished with death. Except that while we've been trying unsuccessfully to get rid of sin and regain paradise, you know what God's been doing? He began writing his second chance script. He started to describe it to our first ancestors that kicked themselves out of paradise to write their own script. And he told them, someday there is a child that is going to be born of the woman who will terminally crush the devil that lied to you about me. And then God's second chance script continues over thousands of years as God covenants with Abram. He says, through your descendants, all people of the world are going to be blessed someday. And God's script continues when he calls Moses to, to lead that very nation into the land where it's all going to happen, along with giving him instructions for Passover, where only the high priest could go into the most holy place, and only on one day of year, because people had sinned and God was holy. And you couldn't just mess up God's holy. And so, and then innocent lambs were sacrificed in order to sort of temporarily pay the debt for the sin of humans. And then the prophets continued the script. The Messiah is coming. Micah says he'll be born in Bethlehem. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus Christ was crucified on Calvary's cross, said this, He will be led as a lamb to the slaughter, pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's script, His paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord has laid on Him the sins of us all. All. And then all that God has promised over these thousands of years to the prophets, to our first ancestors, to Abraham, it all comes to fulfillment right on script when God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And he was born in Bethlehem, just like the prophets had said. And John the Baptist, in introducing Jesus publicly, uses the words from Isaiah to say, here's your Messiah, look, the Lamb of God. Three years later, it's all still going according to script, and on the first Good Friday in Jerusalem, you see Jesus meeting with his disciples and saying, this bread, we're going to have communion in a few moments, and just when you receive the emblems, just retain them until everyone has received. We'll, they'll be served to us during a song. But the bread represents what? His body. He says, this is my body. And then the cup represents his blood, his shed blood. He says, remember. And then just as Isaiah said, Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was pierced and he was crushed. God's innocent son was crucified on Calvary's cross. And his last words pretty well sum it all up. It is finished. His heart stops Eyewitnesses said he breathed his last. Some followers that had not run away for their own lives take Jesus' body from the cross and exactly as prophesied hundreds of years before, bury it in a rich man's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus was dead. He's buried. 
It couldn't be more over. It really was finished. I mean, come on, a dead Messiah offers no hope. For them, it is finished meant only one thing. It was a cry of resignation. And the only victory party, Pastor Jonathan, that Friday, was the one where the powers of evil could gather and say, yeah, it's finished, all right. We finished off God's Messiah. And we destroyed God's script for human beings yet once again. Not so fast. Not so fast. Let's just follow the script recorded by the eyewitnesses. They record, interestingly, that Jesus shouted his last words. Shouted. John, who was right there with Jesus' mother Mary, records in the original Aramaic Greek that those words were actually tetelestai. Tetelestai, he shouts. It is finished. Why is Jesus shouting? It is finished. And then the three other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all report when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he yielded up his spirit, and at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Remember that curtain in the temple on Passover, Yom Kippur? They'd go in there on that one day of the year to offer sacrifices so that the people could be forgiven. And that curtain in the temple, you imagine the priest in there just offering, and then the curtain rips and it wide open. And when Jesus shouted from the cross, it is finished, it's like that curtain was shouting, yes, it is finished. Now the holiness of God is open to everybody because the price has been paid for your entrance. I can picture the priest's on that busiest work day of the year, Passover Friday, offering innocent lambs on behalf of the people, and then suddenly they're out of a job because just a few kilometers away on a hill called Calvary, the debt of sin has just been paid in full by the Lamb of God. You see, if you really want to actually know what's going on here, you can't just read part of the script. You can't just read this much and then not let God finish his his sentences that he has in the script. It'd be much like when uh, Napoleon, taking over Europe, was about to invade uh, England, and, and the armies of Napoleon were up against the armies of Wellington, and the people in England were awaiting news of the outcome of the battle, not knowing that would determine their, their fate. And, and when Wellington's he didn't send an email. He, he used a light flashing. And, and off Wellington's boat, there came the flashing signal that re, was received at Winchester's Cathedral in London. And, and, and two words came across before the fog rolled in. Here were the two words, Wellington defeated. And it began to signal that message all over Europe until the fog lifted and they saw the rest of the sentence, Wellington defeated the enemy. So let John the Baptist finish his sentence. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let Isaiah finish his sentence. He was pierced for our sins. He was crushed for our sins. Let Jesus finish his sentence at communion time that he initiated with his followers. This is my body that is broken for you. This cup represents my blood 
so that you can be forgiven of all of your sins. We need, yes, Jesus died, but don't stop there. How many know Jesus died for our sins? Jesus died so our sins could be completely forgiven. Yes, I can say today, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but all of it, the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, listen to this. He who spoke those words at the time of creation and said, let there be light, speaks from the cross of Calvary and says, you know, when he spoke at creation, he said, let there be, and there were billions of planets that appeared. But when Jesus speaks on the cross and he speaks these words, it is finished how many are thankful that a hundred billion failures disappeared? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, because when Jesus shouts, it is finished, it was not a whimper of defeat. It was a shout of victory. Jesus was not saying, I'm done. He is announcing, enemy defeated. Jesus is not saying it's over. He's saying, humans, you have a second chance. Jesus is not saying, I give up. He's saying, mission accomplished. For our Jesus, it is finished, was not a cry of resignation. It was a declaration of completion. Because when Jesus shouted, it is finished finished, let me show you what got finished. All of this lost its power. All of this was finished. Jesus flipped that script to get us back on a script that God has originally intended for every one of us. And in hell, I'll tell you what happens in hell, the party is finished. <laughs> the party is finished. Listen to me now. The very powers of evil that facilitated the introduction of death to the human experience are now the ones with the expiry date. And if there are computers in heaven, some say, please, Lord, no. But if there are computers in heaven, they just had the most universally powerful, colossal power surge as debt records of human sin instantly go from helplessly bankrupt to paid in full. And the name of every repentant human being in that net of human history begins to populate the eternal database that is called the Lamb's Book of Life. Yes, Jesus flipped the script so that we are no longer stuck in the script of our own human making that ends in death. But now, how many are thankful, thankful we can be part of God's second chance script? What did Jesus say to the repentant thief on the cross beside him that Friday? Today you'll be with me in... Listen, dear one, paradise is back within human reach. Jesus Christ has paid the entrance fee to paradise. He laid down his life, and he is the door that we can now enter. Now, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.